The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us again this afternoon. Apologies first. If you're waiting for Phil Coulter, I have bad news. Phil won't be with us this afternoon. In the last hour, uh, we've heard that he's been inadvertently detained uh, today and we're hoping to have Phil with us on Late Lunch tomorrow. Apologies for that. Lots, though, to come over the next couple of hours on the show, including the Newtown Blues. Yes, three in a row for the 2019 class and we're going to be joined by a couple of blues legends after three o'clock today. Rachel Graham's in the house. She's a nutritional therapist based in Dundalk and she's popping into studio today. She's a fascinating woman. Honestly, you won't want to miss her. She's coming up a little later in the show. Mick Finnegan is here. He's the Meath County Council Road Safety Officer and as you know, the evenings are getting longer days, shorter darkness will be with us even more soon when the clocks change. Mick talking to us about safety coming into the winter on the roads for all road users. Geraldine Cusson has a crow to pick. Uh, she's having difficulty with her bus service from Navin to Kells and we'll be talking about all this and more in the next couple of hours. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, the contact number 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in at 185715958 or contact us across our social media platforms. It's been described by one of the top consultant dermatologists in Ireland as easily the most debilitating and devastating disease he's ever seen. What am I talking about? EB or butterfly skin disease. It really is a most difficult condition. It affects hundreds of Irish people. But great news today, a breakthrough by experts at UCD. And we have at last, uh, I believe, the potential for a cure. To find out more, I'm joined by Dr. Jonathan O'Keefe Ahern, who's a gene therapy researcher at UCD. Jonathan, welcome to the show. No, thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank you for taking our call today. Just for listeners today, uh, you heard what I said there about it and how it's been described as a top by a top dermatologist. In, in a nutshell, what is it? EB fundamentally is a terribly debilitating uh, skin disorder. And again, for this, you know, we're looking this time to really to raise awareness of how this disorder really is. And in terms of what it's been awfully described as is butterfly skin disease. And that is because the sensitivity and the fragility of these patients' skin is only that of a butterfly. It's considered of trying to have the foundations and building a house without any foundations inside there. That's how sensitive these patients' skin is for this disorder. And I said, you know, it's no more so than I'm here sitting with my EB butterfly tattoo from Deborah Ireland, who, in all fairness, do fantastic work on the side of these things for providing day-to-day help and support for EB patients. And from a research side, I would only ask that for anyone to look at what this disorder is. It's probably one of the most debilitating disorders that you've never heard of. But with the EB awareness campaigns like that are running this week, it's to change that mindset so that we do really bring the big picture of EB into this. And I would really ask for any and all the listeners and for everyone out there to really to help for the raise awareness, to look at picking up a Deborah Ireland to Butterfly tattoo, to take a photo of what you sell. You can get them at any local Apple Greens 
and again to text to Butterfly to 50300 because this disorder, again, it is unimaginable what the pain that these patients go through. They have no skin in terms of structural integrity. And again, at present, there is currently no curative treatments out there. There is only palliative care. There's only painful, excruciatingly painful wound dressings that last hours on end that require changing every second day that are currently available for these patients. And again, I'm a researcher inside with Professor Wenchen Wang, who has been pioneering this gene therapy work and working with Deborah Ireland over the last 10 years of work. We're trying to develop curative treatments for EB to bring us one step closer along the ladder for curative treatment for this debilitating disorder. Let me come back to something you said there. No cure, number one, that's for certain. You, you, what you've told us, people who live with it, they have to be minded with kid gloves and obviously a normal life is not possible for them. What The, the treatments you mentioned there, can that ease it at all or, or make life anyway bearable for patients? Again, the treatments that are currently out there are purely treating the symptoms. They're purely symptomatic, but they fail to actually take hold of the underlying medical condition, which is a genetic disorder. So from that side of it, it is purely looking at treating the symptoms more so the underlying root cause of this. Yes. And that's why with the work inside in the UCD Charles Institute with Professor Wang, with myself and the team, whether it's Dr. René Larisaiz, the entire team, I said I'm only one of a huge number of researchers inside um, with Professor Wang who are the only researchers in Ireland that are currently looking um, at this rare butterfly skin disease. Yes, and I want to come on to that because this is the story really that is making the news today and, and as you mentioned at the beginning, it is Awareness Week and we, we'll mention those areas again where you can support. But just before I want to, I come to the research, one quick thing. It's hereditary. Can you pinpoint, you know, that it's going to happen to the next generation or children of others who've maybe had it in the past? Again, for with with EB, yes, it is a, it is a genetic um, condition, and it is inherited in in both formats, both in the recessive and in the in the dominant format. So, from that side of it, it is it does have a genetic uh, aspect of it, and that's why the only permanent curative treatments for these have to be using a gene therapy, where you actually look at treating the underlying mutation and the underlying cause of the disease. And that's, I suppose that's the biggest aspect of this, is that developing treatments and actual permanent curative uh, treatments for patients like this, they have to actually look at under the underlying root cause of the disease, which is a genetic uh, abnormality associated with, I suppose, a gene which provides the structural integrity, like Velcro for the skin. And you can imagine without that, what we have with patients, and again, it's not only they're external with their skin. These patients also suffer as well from their fragility on their internal, their gastrointestinal tract, as well as their eyes. So again, while the, the visual side is, it is a butterfly skin, this is a whole body disorder. Yes. And it does require, given that it is genetic, it does require a root cause in terms of as a treatment. And that's what inside UCD we're looking at, particularly targeting the actual underlying cause of the disease in terms of correcting and genetically permanently correcting 
the genetic mutation that's associated with uh, EB. It's fantastic and the work you're doing is wonderful. Now, there's a distinct difference here to what was happening in the past. I know this uh, from reading about what you're doing there. In the past, viruses have been introduced to the body to deliver this gene therapy you're talking about. But you guys now have a much safer and more effective way. No, absolutely. One of the key issues that has kind of, I suppose, plagued the gene therapy field over the last number of years has been the lack of a a safe and efficient carrier of the genetic material. And that's where, with researchers inside the UCD, and because of the method in terms of application and because the skin disorder, we would look at highlighting the safety for that. So from that side of it, we've gone away from using viruses and we only focus on using a non-viral, I suppose, a polymer biomaterial um, system. And it is, it, all it truly is, is it's a simple carrier delivery system is what we really look um, at focusing in here in UCD is delivering in an efficient and a safe manner a biological solution to treat this genetic disorder. And it's as simple as that. This gel or cream is is uh, uh, put onto the skin and it's absorbed in and it does this, what you're talking about. Well, in terms of there's actually two different components. One is the actual delivery system themselves and the second aspect is for whatever, a biological scissors. And this is um, taking advantage of the latest advancements in gene editing and molecular biology that we've seen over the last number of years and using what's called the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing system. For this, it allows us to um, cut the bad aspect out of the gene. So it's only a two-component system. It is a scissors with, a, I suppose, a guiding sequence. And then what our system is looking at is purely the delivery of the biological uh, scissors to the particular point. Right, it's marvellous. It's just uh, really, in a way, sci-fi when you try to get your head around it. Do you know what I mean, Doctor, by trying to, for for ordinary folks, to think of what this does and the way it does it as well. You're not saying, though, I want to make this clear, it's not a panacea, it's not an immediate cure. There is quite a, a lot of work in the years ahead, but you're really encouraged. No, absolutely. As with anything in research, it, nothing is ever seen in the, in the short term. And, and that is a thing where all going well, that with the initial results, they are promising. But this is something that will be developed over a particular number of years with this. But the main thing that it really is, is that it's highlight that we bring this one step closer, this one rung along the ladder with these disorders. And if we can look at this extremely worthwhile cause then and the development of such therapeutics, it brings us and does one step close because, as I said, there currently is nothing which is fundamentally treating this disorder at present. So it is, they're extremely promising results, but it's something I would always say is that this is years for clinical translation to occur, but it is something where we are making headway along and going towards that. Listen, it's great to catch up with you today. I just want to mention again before we finish, and it just shows you the fantastic work that's going on in UCD and other facilities in this country that's at cutting-edge research and science. Congratulations to you all. You can help by texting BUTTERFLY to 50300, and that helps the people in Deborah, Ireland. It costs €4, euro and almost every cent of that €4 euro goes to Deborah. And you mentioned the tattoo at Apple Green. Just remind us about that again. 
Yes, absolutely. So as I said, to really to raise awareness, we're just asking you can pick up any of these Deborah Ireland EB butterfly tattoos at any available Apple Green service station throughout Ireland. And you'll be doing a great service to those who live with EB. For the moment, Dr. Jonathan O'Keefe Ahern, thank you for joining me on the show. Not at all. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Bye-bye. That's Dr. Jonathan O'Keefe Ahern there from UCD. When you think of it, like just, I'm trying to get my head around it here. An application of a cream or a gel, and it does that. It brings that technology into the body. But imagine living with, living with a skin that is butterfly thin and all the restrictions that has on your life. There are over three, there are between three and four hundred people in Ireland living with this at the moment and it affects a number of the population each year. So if you can help, your support would really be appreciated. First break of the week and late lunch and up next, problems on the buses between Navin and Kells. Geraldine Cusson is on the line. Afternoon, Geraldine. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking our call today. Tell our listeners, where do you work? I work, um, I manage a charity shop in Navan for the National Council of the Blind down the Kennedy Car Park. And you live where? I live in Kells. How do you get from Kells to Navan every day? I, I use the bus, uh, Jerry, because I'm actually uh, registered blind myself, so I'd be a service user. So I totally, totally depend on buses um, to get from A to B. Okay, and when you leave Kells to go to Navan for the morning run, no issue there? Absolutely none. Um, it's like clockwork. Uh, I, I get the airport bus that usually pulls up there. Just It might be a little bit of school traffic, but it pulls up usually about a quarter to nine in the morning. You see, it, le- it, le- it leaves from the the industrial park, so there's never an issue of it being late because it's just outside Kells here. So yeah. so up at that and go to work. And how long does that take? 15 minutes less. Okay, so a short trip from uh, Kells and Avon straight down and you're into work, no issue. You do your working day. What time do you finish up in the shop at? Finish up, uh, close the shop at about 25 past five to be over for the bus, bus about half five, 25 to six. And that's when it's due. That's the, that's what the schedule says. It should be there 5.35, 5.40. Yes, yes. There actually should be three buses between half five and uh, eight minutes past six. Okay. Oh, well, look, at that's a great service, like three buses in that short space of time. Yeah. But there's a big but, isn't there? Yeah, it's super on, on paper, but when you're sitting there <laughs> uh, and it doesn't pull up until 10 to 7, uh, that, that becomes a serious issue. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. You're talking about half five, six o'clock. Have you, are you making a mistake here? You're on to seven now. Yeah. Um, last uh, Friday evening, I, I got into Kells at two minutes to seven and I'm sitting there from half five. I might as well be working in Dublin, Jerry. You might as well be working in Dublin or Wicklow or South Kildare yeah. or somewhere like that. You'd probably be, ho- be home as quick. And, and uh, look, was last Friday a one off? Oh, look, no, because what happens, Jerry, the problem is on paper, when you look at the book timetables, there's a super service. Uh, two buses every hour leaving Dublin, uh, bus hours servicing uh, Navin, Kells, Virginia, Tanneross, all that direction. But what's happening is they're leaving rush hour, they're leaving through the rush hour in Dublin. So they're leaving like half four, you know, five o'clock, people coming out of work. Mm. And they're getting caught, they're getting caught in traffic. Like the poor bus drivers, my absolute heart goes out to them. They, they're, they're just super people, but they, they, they're so frustrated. Because God love them when, when people like myself get onto it and, and probably don't use the bus that often, 
you know, and they start giving out to them and that. It's, it's, it's awful. It's just three of them, you see what happens then, the three of them pull up together. Yes, and that, <laughs> we know the old saying, you're waiting for a bus and three come along at the same time. Well, it yes. seems the Navin to Kells route in the evenings bears out uh, yes. that much uh, trotted out statement over the years. But look, at, I, I, I'm being a little facetious here. This is not a one-off issue for you. This no. is a constant problem for you that you're uh, not getting home uh, for uh, way beyond the short time it should take. When you think about 15 minutes in the morning and what, you close the shop about half five and you mightn't get into the house what after seven yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting in front of the spuds until it's seven o'clock Jerry. oh in the name of God and listen here's the thing um, you know summertime I'm not trying to take away from this but yeah. we're getting into the very shorter days the much shorter days the, the longer evenings are nice it's going mm. to get darker hanging around in cold wet weather not nice it's not nice. Plus, the, 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 like I, I know they've, they've temporarily moved the bus stop in Avon, and it's great to see. You know, the, you know, there, there, there is a bit of work going on in Avon, and, and like I'm not, I'm not getting at that. But they provided a shelter there. There's, there's only room for about four people to sit down. Now, Jerry, in the evenings, I can count roughly there's between fifty, sixty people trying to get back to Kells, Canarock, Virginia. Not only that, uh, the bus only goes as far as Kells. These buses that's pulling up. The people that want to go to Canaros, Cavan, Virginia, that's, you know, outside of Kells, yeah. are trying to get a connecting bus from Kells because the Cavan bus doesn't come into Navan. Right. So, so you, you've all of that going on as well. Mm. All of these people that's trying to get to Kells mm. and no buses. And, and, and I, you know, I'm just thinking, if a bus does pull up and say there's 50, 60, right, you say if three come together, there's no problem, but say if one pulled up and there are passengers on it travelling on would everybody get a seat? Ah, uh, they would. Would they? they? I, I actually, it, it's very rarely I've actually... Ever okay, seen so that's not an issue. To see. That doesn't seem to be All an right, issue. All right, that's no. not an issue. It's the, fre- it's the frequency of them coming into the town. So oh. I, I actually have to get on to my employer, NCBI. They're, they're absolutely brilliant. They have accommodated me now to actually leave work early, um, take a less, less lunch break and, and leave work a little bit early in order that I'm home safe because... With the condition Jerry I have, I'm actually night blind. So since it starts getting dark, yeah, um, you know, I I I, strug- I really struggle. So fair play to them. They've, like I, I contacted them last week. Um, I said, look, I can't be sitting around waiting on buses because it's just it's just not feasible. You know. Mm. It's, it's so really so by getting out a bit earlier, you do get a bus that does arrive and does make that trip in the short time. Okay, so it's that, just so from half five on, like anybody the problem kind is. of walk, walking yeah. in Navan, yeah. trying to get home, it's, the, the, it's because they're all leaving Dublin at the same time. Mm. Time, you know, mm. that Russia, it's, they're just not servicing. They're not servicing what, what they should be, even though it's on on paper. They look like they, they oh, I know. great service, mm. but technically, realistically, there's not. Well, we got in touch with Bus Aaron and this is what they have to say. I'll just read it to you. It's a short uh, statement they sent back to us. They said, Navin to Kells is served by a number of high-frequency services and is operated by high-capacity vehicles. The reliability on these routes is continually monitored by service supervisors in our 24-hour AVL control centre. Every effort is made to maintain a consistent and reliable service throughout the day. And as you said a moment ago, they say the stop in Navin was recently moved from the Fairgreen to Abbey Road. This is 
temporary move and was required to facilitate upgrade works in Navin Town Centre. We welcome all customer feedback which can be sent to customercare at busairin.ie. Have you been on to them? I have. I have in the past. I kind of nearly have given up, Jerry, at this stage. Um, you know, they do say that the, the buses are, are, are that there's so many buses service in Navin, but I don't actually think they realise how late they would be coming into Navin. Yeah. You know, um, even though, you know, on, on paper it says that there's actually three 109 buses coming in and then there's a 109A. There's the airport bus as well. Mm. But you know, they don't do what it says on the timetable. They are not there. And we're hearing from you today. This is consistently long, long waits for you, like up to 90 minutes, an hour and a half. Come on. That's yeah. just not acceptable at all. I wonder if there's anybody else listening today who has experienced similar with the Navin Kells and Beyond routes in the evening time. If you have, we'd love to hear from you. 86 658 That's 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. So you can call in on 1850 Um I suggest that more people get in touch with customer care at busairin.ie and keep letting them know. Yes, I think that's the only way. And like we, we do, like as I call it, my bus buddies, we'd be there in the evening and would like... We, we're saying, well, did you email in? Did I email in? And like, you know, we kind of, I think, I don't know, there's a big, there's a lot in the paper at the moment about the NX going to Dublin. There seems to be a problem with that as well. But as I say, it, it, you know, there's, there's life outside of Dublin. It's, it, I think the whole cabin service needs to be looked at. Yeah, um, it's not good. It's not acceptable, no. to be honest with you, in my opinion. So, uh, like, come on, Bus Aaron, time to look at this seriously and uh, sort it out for the good of your passengers. Mm-hmm. Wish you well. I just wanted to highlight it today for a few moments on the show, Geraldine. I hope it improves sooner rather than later. Please, God. Thanks very much. Not at all. You're Thank welcome. You. Take care of yourself. Thank bye-bye. You. That's Geraldine Cusson, uh, living in Kells, travelling to Navin. Can't drive herself. Needs to use the buses. And you're hearing there about the delays. Customer care at busairin.ie is the uh, place to uh, make your views known. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Hi, Jerry, says Hilary Cavanagh this afternoon. My daughter uses the Kells to Navin buses in the morning and evenings. Uh, sometimes she doesn't arrive in for school till near 9.20, even though she's in at 8.50. So that's a half an hour differential there in the start of school time. I'd say she gets into a bit of bother about that. Uh, that's obviously because of uh, the bus situation. And also, coming home, says Hilary, to Navin, uh, from Navin to Kells on the bus after school, she sometimes doesn't get home till half past fire. It's an absolute nightmare. I couldn't agree more with Geraldine. Thanks indeed for that information. Uh, backing up what Geraldine told us a little bit earlier on there. Now, uh, the statistics uh, make grim reading. 2018, 142 people lost their lives on Irish roads. So far in 2019, up to the 15th of October, the figure is 117. That's up six on the same time last year. And as you know, uh, the days are shortening. The darkness is increasing every day as we head towards uh, clock change time. And that's happening very soon. Joining me on the line on late lunch this afternoon is Mick Finnegan, Mead County Council Road Safety Officer. Mick, nice to talk to you again. 
Good evening, Jerry, or good afternoon. Thank you for taking our call, Mick, today. Now, first, firstly, before we get into the road safety aspect, you've been um, commenting and advising lately uh, about bicycles and looking after your uh, trusted metal steed. Tell us about this, Mick. Well, this was an initiative which was uh, uh, thought up by Dean Kearns, the, the uh, Crime Prevention Officer for Mead, and Cormac Ross, who is responsible for uh, cycle paths and cycle tracks and all throughout Mead. And they have uh, developed a poster which is being distributed to every school and every club in the county. And basically it's to try and combat the huge increase in the number of bikes, a lot of expensive bikes, mind you, bicycles, which are being stolen on an annual basis. And in a nutshell, it's uh, giving them advice as to what proper locks should be put on the bikes, how they should be secured when they're, not, when they're unattended, to record a serial number at all times, to have a photograph of the bike, ideally with the owner beside it, to report all thefts to the guards. And uh, why they're doing that is there are hundreds, if not thousands, of bikes in guard possession where they have no record of who owns them. And people are... Haven't recorded numbers. In some cases, I know it happened in Trim last year, where in some of the bikes there was three or four people thought the bikes were their own, and they can't give it out without being sure. So it's a combat that because um, there'll probably still be bikes taken, no doubt they will, but at least it'll give a big impetus to returning them to the owner if they're recovered. That's very important, Mick, to have the identification of your particular bike recorded and keep it for future reference. But I, I, I know this myself, and it's a fantastic initiative. I, I congratulate you all on it, and the boys as well, in highlighting this, because it, it's really got out of all proportion right across the country. Now, while we're on the subject of uh, bicycles and cyclists, let's talk now, uh, Mick, about uh, the impending uh, late autumn winter weather and short light in the day. For people on bikes, no need to say it, uh, you must illuminate so well. Absolutely, Jerry. And of course, the, the time is changing next weekend, which will leave it dark at probably half five in the evening. Um, what we are advising with cyclists, and there are more of them on the road, and it's great to see them out because it reduces the car numbers for number one, but it's great healthy exercise and likes. But uh, bikes, make sure the bikes are properly roadworthy. They should not be taken out without being roadworthy without the brakes being properly checked, I mean, working order, all lights in working order, all tyres in working order, and basically that, the, that the, the bikes are completely roadworthy. We're also asking cyclists, young and old, to wear something high-vis, something that can be seen, because we're all motorists, and if you come up, up behind somebody and there's no lights, there's no high-vis, it's impossible to see them, and it's not always motorists' faults when it was some of these accidents happen because they genuinely cannot see them. So we're asking them to wear something high vis, and always we're trashing this out all the time, uh, particularly young people, but older people are the biggest culprits of it at the present time. Always wear a helmet, yeah. and um, that's in a nutshell. It is because the days are getting shorter. There'll, there'll be a lot more uh, dark hours now that they'll be out on and uh, take care on the road with bikes. Now, pedestrians, of course, pedestrians are huge users of our pathways and roads and they have to cross to get to schools, of course, people going about their business. Is it the same message again, Mick, to to light up when when you're out in the dark, when you're out walking? A lot of people, of course, you mentioned the cyclists, a lot of people go outside of our villages and towns into country areas on, on walks and they walk them, you know, in the summertime, but they continue to walk them when there's little light. 
They do, Jerry. And I'll just very briefly give you a statistic. Last year, as you mentioned there, there was 142 or 143 people killed on the road. 30, over 30% of them were pedestrians. So 42 of them people, pedestrians, were killed on the road last year. There was nine of them cyclists. So that brings it to 60, which is nearly 40% of the total fatalities on the road last year uh, were cyclists and pedestrians. In relation to pedestrians, um, walk on the correct side of the road. And this is a problem, believe it or not, that a lot of them are walking on the incorrect side of the road, and that is on the left-hand side. All pedestrians should walk on the right-hand side of the road because by doing so, they're facing traffic coming towards them. They should wear, I can't exhaust it, I press this enough, wear something high visibility. I came across an incident there recently, not too far from Kells, where I came across a man walking on the wrong side of the road in dark clothing. I saw him looking enough, but I, and I gave him a high-vis jacket. I stopped and gave him a high-vis jacket, which we had in the car. But he really did not know he wasn't an Irish man. He didn't know that he was on the wrong side of the road. But we're exhorting him to walk on the right-hand side of the road. Always have something high visibility on them, because otherwise motorists simply cannot see them. And if they're on the left-hand side of the road and you have two cars, one coming behind them, another coming towards them with lights on, you simply will not see them. And if they're getting hit, and they are getting hit, getting injured and getting killed, it's not always the motorist's fault. So we're exhorting people to walk on the right-hand side of the road. It's something we've been trashing through the Road Safety Authority, trashing out to all schools for the last number of years. And I have to say that the vast, vast majority of young people do walk on the correct side of the road. But unfortunately, it's the older people that don't. And some of them... Believe it or not, they're not aware that they should be walking on the right side of the road. But we would exhort them to walk on the correct side of the road and wear something high is. So it's facing the oncoming traffic and cars. That's, that's very, that's key, very Gary. important. That that's the key. the key. Because you'll, the, you can see a person's hands, you can see a person's face. And more important, if a pedestrian is walking and there's a motorist coming towards them that mightn't be doing everything in accordance with the rules of the road, they have time to get off the road. If that car is coming behind them, they don't know, know what's going on behind them. Now, Mick, on to motorists, because I have to say, as a motorist myself, and I'd be as guilty as this of this as anybody else, often motorists feel they own the road, Mick. They do, yes, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of aggressive driving and a lot of bad manner driving on the road. Absolutely there is. And it seems to be getting more prevalent, actually. But um, people, of all the accidents, I'm looking at accidents, sadly, for the last 50 years. And I've never come across, with very few exceptions, Jerry, I've never come across a fatality on the road yet that wasn't caused by someone doing something stupid. Mm. Be it a motorist, be it a cyclist, be it a pedestrian, it's always someone's fault. If everyone is obeying the rules of the road, these accidents wouldn't happen. In a lot of cases, the motorists are driving aggressively. They're not giving due consideration to to, to the vulnerable road users, really, who are the pedestrians and cyclists and, indeed, motorcyclists. And we would exhort them to slow down. Uh, There's a lot of speeding going on. Um, We've done surveys, I know, in me recently, and some of the surveys... They give frightening statistics of the sort of the amount of speeding that's going on on, on country roads. And Mick, back to what you said to cyclists. Of course, it's a, a no-brainer. Your vehicle should be well lit up, all your lights working, proper good tyres for the winter time of the year as well, and serviced regularly. That it's uh, worthy for the road. Absolutely, Jerry. Absolutely, the tyres should be. Everyone should look at their tyres. If the tyres need changing, change them. Because if you're driving on on unsafe tyres. You haven't to hope if something, if you were forced to brake or swerve or anything, you haven't to hope the car is gone and that's it. 
And Mika, I'll tell you about something happened to me last year. I was telling Louise here earlier. It was a very wet morning, dark morning in November, December, and I was driving to work. Don't have a lot of a distance to come. And I came to a junction I'm very familiar with. I have to watch the traffic left and right coming. And it takes all of your concentration before you would move out. But I moved out slowly, but straight across from me, Mick, was a walkway for people crossing that road to go to school. And Mick... By the grace of God, I was going so slow and I was able to stick the car to the ground. People crossed the road. They but do, I, yeah, they you do know. cross the road. And basically, you know, Jerry, it's down to the, the common sense thing. Obey the rules of the road. The rules are there to be obeyed. And if the rules of the road are obeyed, these things won't happen. But people do cross the road, um, blindly cross the road. And I, I'm looking at it every day. And, you know, there's times when you scratch your head and wonder why there's not more accidents rather than less, mm. you know. And, Mick, the uh, phenomenon of uh, the smartphone, of course, so many young people have them today and they're plugged in with their earphones and they're wandering along. My word, Mick, you're right on what you said a minute ago. You must have your wits about you when you're out, not yes. listening to music or, you know, talking to somebody on the phone. I know you want it, but you should be aware of your surroundings. Correct. And I think I'm right in saying, uh, Jerry, that last year, the statistics for last year where there was 100 43 people lost their lives. I think 17% of them, of them fatalities, were people who are, uh, who are operating mobile phones while driving, mm. both using the phones and texting while yeah. driving. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's criminal behaviour. That's the bottom line with it, you know. And that applies to, as we say, uh, if you're out as a road user, as a pedestrian, if you're on your bike, or you're driving a car, never use the phone. You see so many people still at it. You really, really shouldn't go there. One last thing, Mick, just before we go. You mentioned the high-vis, and well done to you in giving that uh, high-vis vest to that gentleman as well. I'm sure you saved a life there. Children, in a way, to get them to wear these vests, you'll hear kids say, oh, they're not cool. That's you know, correct. I, I'm listening to it and I've heard it so often. And just as a statistic from a recent conference with the RSA, I think I'm right in saying that they stated that they've, in the last couple of years they've given out and distributed in this country over 13 million high-vis articles. And I would suggest that there's not 10% of them being used. Mm. I, I would actually, either in the boots of cars or in the bottoms of wardrobes, they're there to be used, they're there for your safety and use them. They certainly are, and that's the message we leave it on today. Mick, we wish everybody safety on the road in the weeks and months ahead, and thank you so much for obliging us taking the call today. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you, Mick. That's Mick Finnegan there, Mead County Council Road Safety Officer. And if you just hang on uh, some of the points Mick made there and that we tried to get across, you will be safer, I promise you, on the roads uh, this winter, because it is dangerous and we must all have our wits about us and do best we can to show up in the dark and take care. Late lunch LMFM radio. Comment from a listener I've been out to Dundalk and Blackrock Gardy about people out on bicycles people who are also walking and running on the roads. Uh, they're on the footpaths in dark clo- clothes uh, they have no helmets or lights on the bicycles. I saw a woman with a young child on a seat at the front of the bike and a bag in the front basket on the footpath on the wrong side of the road if anyone came out a gateway where we live the child would be killed they won't get off their bikes to let pedestrians pass they're obnoxious to people who stop them and say to them they're doing wrong nothing's been done about it Jerry. thanks indeed for that comment another one asked Mr Finnegan is it legal for cyclists to cycle on footpaths Louise is it legal for people do you know from your your uh, Solicitor training? <laughs> what solicitor training is that, Cherry? <laughs> She's illegal, legal. Don't mind her. I, I, I 
think it's illegal. Would you say it's illegal? Lots of illegal. people do cycle on paths. Is it legal? We'll check that out. I'd Somebody just come on to us about that. We'll check it out and tell you definitively you should cycle on the road and there are cycle paths as well. What about this thing of the vest not being cool? The high mm. vis- When you put the whole thing on, you're like a, a big bird in uh, Sesame Street, yellow. Mm. But listen, it'll save your life. I'm not taking away from it at all. It's so important. It will, but a lot of people probably get, you know, kids about, get slagged for wearing Do they? Are youngsters not inclined to wear them the full yellow? I'd say they'd probably prefer maybe something else, something a bit cooler. So there we need something with maybe a, a couple of strips on it or something. You know the um, things that a lot of kids get for Halloween? They're like neon bands or something. Maybe mm. something like that. On, on a vest? Yeah, or else attach them to the end of their shoes or something. I don't know. Mm, I, or I've seen people wearing, you know, they're like minor, you know, the, the, the light miners wear. Yeah. They're not the hats, they're just like something you just put on your head and they have a, a little light, light torch. Mm, I've seen anglers with them in yeah. at night time trying to tie the flies back on in the dark. Yeah. Chasing fish across yeah, the road. Yeah, 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 <laughs> across the lakes, it's not so bad. But look, at seriously, maybe there is an opening for something like that. You know, a, a vest, a high-vis vest, not fully yellow but with enough on it that it can be picked up and it looks a bit better. Food for thought. Over to the uh, designers out there to uh, maybe take up on that one. Mm, I believe mm. uh, you had a memorable weekend, had you, Jerry? Well, I had um, from two aspects. Mm. Um, I only know one. Well, 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 I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The, the first one was a really uh, an unbelievable one for me because I, I was lost for words. Uh, that was the first. Yes, I was absolutely lost for words. I was comparing the Drogheda United Centenary Dinner. It was a fantastic night. It really was. It was just simply wonderful. But at the end of the night, they gave me an award. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Oh. I, am, I just, I, I'm so grateful to Conor Hoy and the people at the club for what they did. I never expected it. And it means been, the world to me. You're such a supporter, Jerry. Oh, well, look, I've, been, I've been going since I was eight to the Lourdes Stadium in 1969. And I mean, there, thereabouts ever since. And I've worked at the club and sold programmes and tickets now you know the usual but look there are other fantastic people as well well deserving but for me it was a very very special uh, award to get and again I thank the football club from my heart for it it was really special and I'll well, treasure it forever I will but on the other hand I might not be sitting in this seat today I Why? could be in prison <laughs> Try to picture your mug shot I could be in prison I actually could be we got a dead what air here today well they'd have popped somebody into the seat wouldn't they I'll tell you what I did. I went shoplifting the weekend. What do you mean, sh- hardly lifting shops? I <laughs> went shoplifting. You? I did. How did you shoplift, Jerry? A peanut? Well, let me tell you the story. Oh. I went for my annual trip to Tesco on Saturday morning, right? For the weekly shop, which I do every week. And I went in and I did me bits and pieces. It wasn't a huge shop this week, and by any means. And got to the checkout. I, the self-service. You know the self-service where you put through yourself? Now, not your one where you bleep. You know, the pre-service. Scan. Where yeah. you scan on your way round. I'm not that sophisticated yet. But I went to the self-service because I hadn't a massive shop. I run the small trolleys and I checked everything through. All right? Everything mm. hunky-dory. And then I just walked out of the store with me trolley of goods and never paid. <laughs> really? <laughs> I never paid. Nothing beep, nothing... Nothing beep, nothing alarm, nothing at all. I got into the car, I drove home and I was unpacking at home. And then... No one chased you? No one chased me, no, not, not at all, not at all. The lovely people in Tesco. Um, I, did, I, I went to look for the receipt. Because I always just have a gander through the receipt. You know what I mean? Did I get me club card points, which I want to make sure this, that, you know. No receipt. And I said to myself, holy moly, no way. Did I not pay? Did I really not pay for 
my shopping. And I'll tell you, Louise, I just hopped in the car and went straight back up to the store and walked in. And I saw the lady. You know, they have somebody around mm, those self-service sales because they're always giving a little bit of jip, to be honest with you. Um, and I said to her, excuse me, you were, I was here about an hour ago and I was at number two over there. And I think I didn't pay. And a big smile came on mm-hmm. her face and she said, you mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> And I said, 52, is that right? She says, it is. And anyway, she says, come over here. So I had to go to the security fellow, the embarrassment at the door, and he had me details there. And he said, you're an honest man. And I said, why? He says, not everybody's like you. So in other words, quite a number of people may not uh, come back. Well, they uh, followed you. Imagine sitting at home anyway, and you thinking they you had, had me. Yeah, well, I couldn't for a minute. Anyway, they obviously had me on the seat. He had my, my, my little till receipt there because they obviously printed it out and I just went then to the desk and paid for it. And I apologise profusely for what happened. Mm-hmm. But Louise... I'll have to start hiding my bag now, Jerry. <laughs> you better lock it. If you asked me why I did it, how I did it, I couldn't tell you. I had one of those blank moments. Yeah, completely blank. Happen, Jerry. Oh, no, Louise. It, it it actually unnerved me a bit. I thought, how did that happen to me? How, now, my head was full of stuff. I was flying around. I'd got a call in the store about something for, for, for us here uh, in terms of work. And maybe, I, I don't know what distracted me, but something did. And I did that. And I felt, oh, my word. How did I do that? Did that ever happen to you? So did anything like that ever happen to you? Well, going off the top of my head, the only thing I can, like when you mentioned the self-scan... Yeah. You know that you scan, you put them yes. as you go around Tesco. And um, <laughs> toilet roll blocker. You know them tiny little blue things that you yes. put into the toilet? Yes. Only about 70% or something. Yeah. And the shopping was about 100 quid. And they mm. were got to the thing and she says, did you scan everything all right? Yeah, no problem. And she said, right, I'll just do a quick check. Yeah, okay. And she took these out. And it just, I just went white because I remembered picking them up and then I had two of the kids with me and they were talking or arguing or something and I just got distracted for a minute and they didn't scan and ah. I was going, oh my god so she had to go through the entire shop, shop and I just felt like ah listen that was that was only a minor, minor deal but imagine walking out and not paying for the whole thing did it ever happen to anybody listening today did you ever have a blank like that at a moment where you did something and it suddenly came back to you I'm getting soft you, like if you're going to do that Jerry, at least 52 quid I did toilet block <laughs> Uh, what you would call it I have to say like when I went home and uh, sat there afterwards after I settled up and went home I was scratching my head and I really was trying to think of how uh, I'll work my steps back as to how I missed out but there you go anyway myself and Ava went up yesterday and she did the whole lot and I paid and I redeemed myself (laughs) for what I had to get yesterday but there you go a blank moment in time it happened so easily but there you go I might not have been here today could Uh, you imagine like (laughs) people that honestly do make a genuine mistake Mortified. Oh my God. More about the uh, road safety. What about those drivers, Jerry, who don't use indicators? So many times I was almost driven over because of idiots that don't put them on when they're turning. I'm not a clairvoyant. I can't read your mind. You might have been behind me, Ella. I hope you weren't. Yours truly was at one stage, weren't you? <laughs> Better off having Louise behind you than in front of you. Am I right or wrong or indifferent? You're saying nothing.
What are you saying? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Are you there? I think you're right. All right, I am yeah. right. I know I'm right. I have right. a tendency right. to go into ditches and stuff, don't I? Ah, listen, we won't go there. That's your, that was your, that was part of your weekend. That's for another day. But there was only you were in and out, weren't you? Yeah, ah, it was ditched. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about that. Anyway, up next on late lunch, I'm looking forward to meeting Rachel Graham. She's a nutritional therapist. You might remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking to the people from My Second Spring about the menopause and there was a big national conference coming up that was actually sold out. Well, on foot of that, my next guest got in contact me, contact with me. She was listening that day and she says, God, Jerry, I'd love to come in and have a chat with you about what I do. Well, she's here today and I can tell you her name is Rachel Graham. She's a nutritional therapist and she's based in Dundalk and I'm delighted to welcome her to Late Lunch. Rachel, great to see you. Thank you very much. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thanks ah, so much. And I'm delighted to have you yeah. with me as well. Will you tell our listeners a bit about you, who you are and where you practice? Yeah, sure. So I practice in Dundalk um, in the GP practice there. I'm there once a week uh, doing private consultations, but mostly I do a lot of my own workshops. So I'm really trying to translate all of the science and the medical uh, background into kind of very actionable kind of practical tips for people that they can actually apply to their life. Uh, Because I find that there is so many sources out there that people can get information. It can become very overwhelming and they just really don't know where to start. So I find actually the visual learning part of actually showing them which foods are beneficial for which specific um, you know, illness or health issue that they are trying to address and actually cooking it and actually making it taste delicious is really, really beneficial. So you are the conduit between the science and actually, you know, us and, and, and our health. You know the old saying, your health is your wealth, mm-hmm. but what you eat is your health. Is, is, is that a, a fair summing up of, of how we are as human beings and our life? I would say it goes a little bit further than that. It's that we are actually what we absorb and assimilate because a lot of people will have absorption issues. So um, they just are maybe eating the wrong foods. There might be lots of um, maybe allergic reactions or things like that that just compromises their, their ability to absorb nutrients to be able to actually stay healthy. So that's, in other words, when we take in what we eat or drink or whatever, mm-hmm. it's that absorption within the body. Yes. Which brings us on to this whole area of mm-hmm. gut health. Yes. It is now coming to the fore, and I'm sure you'll talk about this now, that this is so essential to holistically our whole being. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievably uh, important. And there's so much new research coming out at the moment. Um, In fact, nearly on a daily, weekly basis, that it's actually really exciting. And it's kind of like the scientists have nearly discovered a new organ in the body, uh, because essentially they have, you know, the gut is, uh, is, has a knock on, like good gut health has a knock on effect on every single system in our body, in particular our mental health. So that is actually where I feel that the most um, advantages can be, you know, we can take advantage most of actually maintaining really good gut health in our mental health. So our, our brain and our gut are constantly talking to each other. And that feeling, that gut feeling, that's actually real. And uh, so always listen to your gut, because actually just with the the physiological, um, you know, little bit of science behind it, your gut is actually lined in neurons and the same amount of neurons that are in the brain of a cat. 
So that'll just tell you that, you know, just, you know, cats are clever, as we know. <laughs> so um, just just always go with your gut and always just trust your gut because your gut is talking to your brain the whole time and your gut can actually, the, the bacteria in your gut can actually influence things like your appetite, your cravings, all those kind of things. So when you're saying like, I just can't resist this kind of food, it could actually be all down to the balance of the gut bacteria that you have. So... Here we are. Mm-hmm. You have the knowledge we want to hear about mm-hmm. it. What's best for your gut? Or how do you balance that gut? Fibre really is the secret sauce. And we're just not getting enough fibre. So the recommended daily amounts of fibre is about 35 grams. And I think we're hitting between, on average, 12 and 19 grams. So we're just not getting enough fibre. And the main reason for that is because we're eating far too many refined processed foods. So the refined processed foods are the ones that have had actually the fibre refined out of them. So that's the white bread, the white pasta, the white rice, all of those kind of things. So essentially, the first thing and the easiest switch that you can make is actually to switch out all of that refined white bread, carbs, pasta, whatever it is, and switch over to brown. What about sourdough? Sourdough is fantastic because it is a long ferment um, and the the fermented um, foods are just amazing for your your gut microbiome. In particular, sourdough, in particular, uh, kimchi, uh, kombucha, uh, kefir, all of these things. Um, I actually run my own fermentation classes teaching you how to make these things over the course of four weeks. And the last class is actually sourdough. So sourdough is amazing. So that's a decent replacement for the white if you yes. can't go the whole hog yeah. to bread. What do you mean by fibre? You talk about the brown rice there, the brown mm-hmm. pastas, mm-hmm. Uh, the whole grain breads yeah. and that type yes, of thing. Exactly. What, what else will give you fibre? So f- fruit and vegetables. And in particular, you're looking at things like oats. Oats contain a very, very beneficial fibre called beta-glucan, which is particularly beneficial for heart health. So if you find yourself that you have just been recently diagnosed with high cholesterol, I would definitely recommend the first thing that you can do that's very, very simple is just to eat a lot more porridge. So switch out your breakfast. So instead of having that slice of white toast with butter and jam that's going to spike your blood sugars, just immediately go for your lovely bowl of porridge and top it with some nice blueberries, maybe some live probiotic yogurt, which has the beneficial bacteria in it for your gut. So there's lots of things like that that you can do. Very, very simple, easy switches. You're looking at a toast, butter and jam man every Um, morning with a cup of tea. And that's all I take in the morning. One slice of toast, nothing else with a cup of tea. Right. I have to change, have I? Yes, definitely. Because that's not doing you any good. You know, you're spiking your blood sugars. You're automatically saying to your body, you know, release insulin, which is basically your fat storing hormone as well, which drives your blood pressure. There's loads of knock on effects. You know, it's literally like a domino effect. I, I do like porridge and, and mm-hmm. I will and I love it in the winter time. I love yeah. it now at this time of year and into yeah. the spring. What's a little dab of honey like on it? Is that all right or is it a no-no? No, I absolutely, especially if it's local honey. Yeah. I would definitely recommend uh, using local honey. Um, a lot of people say to me, which honey should I use? Should I spend the 30 euros on a jar of Manuka honey? I'm like, no, you don't have to. Just buy, you know, some lovely local honey. Um, and, and that's so beneficial for your gut microbiome as well. And they do know, I've told them for years, I kept bees myself. They do know that the Royal County beekeepers are in Meath, the mm. Loud beekeepers are in Loud, and we 
have yes. local beekeepers in yes. both counties here yes. and you can get honey from local producers. Back to the gut. You mentioned kefir uh, there, yes. there a moment ago mm-hmm. and my organic gardening guru, Nikki Kyle, has had me on kefir. She's probably listening today and I'm afraid to tell you. <laughs> you know the way you have to replenish it. I was away on holidays and the cycle was broken and okay. the nuts were a little bit, I think, over time. You the know, grains, the grains, yeah. should I mm-hmm. say, as yeah. well. Yeah. It's really good, that, is it, to take it? I see it in the supermarkets now. What do you say about yeah, that? Yeah, I saw it actually recently myself in, in Tesco. They had the, the kefir there. And I think, you know, like it's it's a good entry level for people to try it, you know, and it's definitely going to benefit them. There's more of the lactobacillus bacteria, which is the beneficial bacteria in kefir than there would be in a live probiotic yogurt. So it's it's a great step. So, you know, I think just simplifying things. I don't want to make things that are just too inaccessible for people. Yes. And I think that's really, really important. But you're saying again, in simple terms for people, more fruit and veg every day. Yeah. Change to the browns from the whites. Yes. Maybe take the live probiotic or the kefir or something like that. Mm -hmm. Are you on the road then to to better gut health straight away? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's lots of other things that you can do as well. There's definitely lots of supplements and things that you can consider. But those simple swaps would be really, really effective. You mentioned the class you give on, what did you say? Fermentation. Fermentation. Yeah. I I was watching uh, a series from the Far East uh, and you mentioned, is it kimchi you mentioned? Yeah, kimchi. Do you you teach the the making of it as well? Yeah. Is that really as good as they say? It is. And it's just, it's basically like a spicy sauerkraut. So if you like the chilies and those kind of strong flavours, then I would say that would be a great one for you to try. If you don't really like them, you know, your spicy food, then maybe go with the sauerkraut. So I teach lots of different types of sauerkraut. So not just the traditional, you know, white cabbage ones. So I would include things like red cabbage and fennel and carrot and make it really, really interesting. And um, and lots of garlic and ginger and those kind of flavours. So it's actually, it's a lovely addition and it's in your fridge. You can add it It's quite easily to to a salad plate or to a nice sandwich or something like that and you're getting those beneficial bacteria in in a way that doesn't feel like you are eating really weird food. So that's why the people over there don't suffer from a lot of the Western diseases as we call them. Yes, exactly. Because of these fermented foods and yeah. incorporating them into their diet. Exactly. Is yeah. it a huge change for an Irish palate, you know, to, to go this road? I don't think so. I mean, I think Irish people really like yogurt. So you can learn how to make your own yogurt that has a lot of beneficial gut bacteria. And if you're having that every single day as a snack or as part of your breakfast, that's a very easy addition. Then maybe your sourdough bread as well. You know, these are all great things that you can do that also taste delicious and are very sustainable. So yes, there are really great high quality practitioner grade supplements that you can also supplement with. And maybe in initially you might have to do that. But I look at supplements as really kind of like the scaffolding in your life. You have to only put them up temporarily and then just take them down. But you know, on the long term, it's much more sustainable. It's much more economical if you can just use food as your medicine. Think of food as like your pharmacy. And you're saying that if you start on this path within a reasonably short space of time, a very short, medium, long space of time, you'll notice a difference? 
Yes. I mean, you can do some functional testing if you want to actually get the, you know, the the, the breakdown of what your, fun- your you know, different bacteria, uh, you know, status is. You could do some functional testing and then test again in three months time and just see what the what the balance is and which different strains you have. So some people will find that they have specific strains in excess as in too many harmful ones that are actually driving a, a driver of maybe inflammatory conditions, you know, if they have maybe high cholesterol, high blood pressure or any kind of arthritic conditions, joint pain, all of these things are all related back to our gut. So if you have those kind of issues and you don't want to go on long-term medication, you know, this is the answer. You've got to start with your gut and give it time. I would say about three months is the shortest amount of time that you can expect to see any changes within. And then after that, you're just going to feel so much better. You're going to sleep better. You're going to have more focus, more energy and be able to concentrate. So I think it's a really good thing. Why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you keep listening to this wonderful woman? She's staying with us on Late Lunch. If you have a question for her today, you're welcome to put it 086 658 by WhatsApp or text or by calling in on 1857 More from Rachel Graham after the break. Rachel Graham is with us on Late Lunch. We've had a listener on to ask you, Rachel. She suffers from inflammatory arthritis and are the foods she should take or avoid? Sure. Um, so essentially what she's looking at there is an anti-inflammatory diet. So you're looking at trying to reduce the numbers of inflammatory foods in your diet. So inflammatory foods really are considered to be meat and dairy. So you're looking at replacing meat and dairy with uh, fish. So in particular, oily fish. So oily fish is very high in two essential fats called EPA and DHA, which are really, really beneficial in reducing all of the inflammatory markers in our blood. So I would definitely recommend that she eats a lot more salmon, mackerel, um, maybe some trout, some sardines, things like that, and include those more and also to supplement as well. Okay, and what would you talk about supplement-wise? So with the omega-3 fatty acids. Okay, so take those. Yeah, but just go with a really high-strength practitioner-grade supplement um, because they're going to have a much higher percentage of the active property in the supplement and therefore they're going to actually be properly addressing your inflammatory uh, condition. Another question for you. Hi, Jerry. Would you ask your wonderful guest, is fasting for 24 hours good for the system? Now, you may need a little more information than that, but just Mm -hmm. based on that, what do you say? So fasting is definitely very beneficial, um, maybe not for 24 hours. I don't know what uh, condition she's trying to address, but certainly the kind of 16-8 style of fasting where you fast for 16 hours and you eat within an eight-hour window is really, really beneficial, especially if you're trying to address any kind of weight loss issues, in particular abdominal uh, weight gain or what they call abdominal obesity, uh, which is very typical for anybody with heart uh, issues or with pre-diabetes, diabetes. So those kind of things. Fasting is is fantastic. It also has amazing anti-aging benefits as well. So it, it actually enables your body to do housekeeping is how I think of it. So really you're giving it a break as such. Yes. But you, you have to maintain the level of intake of fluids. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, so just take yeah. your fluids. Yeah. Water. Yes. Simple as. Yes. Absolutely. Anything else in fluid? Cup of tea? No. Um, you could have a, a herbal tea for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some people even um, say that the benefits of coffee is are good. You can have a cup of coffee with plenty of water. So um, so it really depends on, you know, some people don't tolerate coffee on an empty tummy. So it really, you know, it depends on the individual, but certainly all the fluids. 
Um, another question for you, Jerry. Will you ask Rachel? On average, in a year, I ha- take about four to five antibiotics over a twelve-month period. Uh, after the course uh, or in between, could you ask her what can I take to help? I presume that like antibiotics do knock your system completely. They totally compromise your gut health. So antibiotics, stress, a poor diet, lack of exercise—all of these things really severely compromise your gut health. So when you are consistently taking antibiotics, you're pretty much consistently like bombarding and napalming your gut health. You're just literally obliterating it. So absolutely, you need to rebuild that again. And I would say there is a fantastic um, brand of supplements uh, called BioCare. I don't know if I can say that online. Oh no, listen, <laughs> yeah. any, anything, yeah. we're here to help today, yeah. Rachel, yeah? So go into the her local pharmacy and uh, ask if they stock the BioCare range and most of them do but they have an intensive seven-day uh, course that has over 100 billion different strains. It's really high strength and will definitely help her. Other than that, she could take their... Um, their regular uh, everyday uh, acidophilus forte, it's called. And that's really, really good. So she would need to supplement and also take a lot of fermented foods. Can you take grapefruit if you have arthritis? Now, I think grapefruit is out if you it's take statins. Heart, yes, it's a heart issue. Yeah, Isn't exactly. it? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, if you have arthritis, can you take grapefruit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But coming to the heart, it's a no-no if you're taking statins. There's a warning on, on because I take statins, let yes. me tell you, and I take them every single day. Mm-hmm. And there is a warning about that. But just as an aside for myself... I wake up in the mornings at times aching, all yeah. my bones ache, and I know what it is. I've, I've done a Dr. Google on this, uh, Rachel. It's a side effect, isn't it, of the statin? Yeah. It is the most common side effect, is the aching joints. And so what I recommend to everybody taking statins is to also supplement with coenzyme Q10. It is an essential enzyme that we actually all make naturally, but from the age of 40 onwards, it starts to decline in uh, the levels of CoQ10 that you have. But uh, in Japan, for example, they don't prescribe statins, they just actually prescribe CoQ10. So it's a really, really, uh, it's so effective. So I would highly recommend that. Here's somebody looking for a, a, a solution to a difficulty that many people live with. Jerry, can you ask Rachel, is there any supplement that helps weight loss? Oh, there's no magic pill. No, no. absolutely no magic pill whatsoever. Um, there's lots of things you can do um, for weight loss, obviously. I mean, sugar is the big one, you know, just to reduce your sugar. And I'm not talking about just the regular added sugar. Uh, as in with sweets, but obviously things like starchy veg, you don't realise just how much sugar they have and they spike your blood sugar. Also things like um, the white bread, the white pasta, the white rice, just do the switch over. Hmm. Do those. that switch yeah. and that will certainly help you. Yes. God, there's loads coming in for you today. Keep okay. them coming to us, but I'll, I'll hold them if we don't get to them. Uh, Josephine's been on to say, please help me with my insomnia, Rachel. Is mm. there anything you can recommend supplementary wise or in my diet that will help? How much coffee is she drinking? When was when was the last one? What time does she have her last cup of coffee? Is that huge? Absolutely massive. 
It's massive. It affects your your uh, that quality sleep that you can't. It it's, it stimulates your adrenal glands, so you can't actually get into that nice kind of relaxed state where you're able to fall asleep. Also, the other thing that she could do is to turn off her screen. So screens are emitting mm. this very stimulating blue light, and we all find ourselves late at night in bed on our phones scrolling through, and that is also you know disturbing your sleep. The other thing that she could do is to uh, magnesium is fantastic. So the there's this great spray. It's a transdermal spray. So it's not a pill. You actually spray it onto your skin. It's from a company called Better You. You can buy it in the health food store. And you just spray it on. And there's one that they have called uh, Better You Sleep. So that t- it's like they call it nature's tranquilizer. It just completely relaxes you. It's fantastic. She could also take an Epsom salt bath, which is obviously magnesium as well. So just you know, also creating a nice bedtime routine so that you're always going to bed roughly around the same time. That's what you call good sleep hygiene. Mm. And that's really important. And the cola is full of caffeine if you're a late night drinker of it. Cola. 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 Yeah, yeah, the yeah, cola Coca-Cola. products. The Coca-Cola, Ranger, Coca-Cola, yeah, yeah, or mm-hmm, Pepsi's yeah, or things yeah, like that. Yeah. Are they, they all contain half, as well? Yes, of course. Okay, Anything just, that's high just in to caffeine. Yeah. Them. Um, We've a minute, and if you can deal yeah. with this, and Margaret's been on to say, Rachel, what about food and sinus? I suffer terrible with my sinuses. Yeah, so dairy is a huge contributor to that. So she maybe try and try plant milk, try, you know, like as an almond milk or uh, oat milk or a soy milk and just switch over to those. Dairy is a massive driver and contributor to all of the kind of al- allergic conditions, in particular sinus. Tell them where they can find out more about you. And may I say congratulations on a wonderful website. Thank you so much. Yes, my husband is amazing and he is a web developer and digital marketer and he did the whole thing ah, for me. Fantastic. Yeah, so um, yeah, so my website is rachelgraham.ie uh, that's R-A-C-H-E-L and uh, I'm based in Dundalk. I ha- do private consultations once a week in the GP practice there and I also run extensive number of workshops with multiple dates on multiple topics and themes. So check it out well we'll have you back to talk about those multiple topics and themes yeah. if you don't mind uh, sometime that, yeah. Rachel Rachel it's been a real pleasure this afternoon lovely to meet you and thank you for joining us on Late thank Lunch. you so much it was great really enjoyed it thanks thank you to Jamie Campbell who's been in touch with us we were talking earlier on in the show with Geraldine Cusson about the bus service between Navin and Kells Jamie says I'm 30 I have autism and I want to complain buses are not coming on time my bus yesterday evening was supposed to arrive at 5.35 didn't show up till 5.50 it was also the 109A yes Geraldine was talking about that and not the 109 for Kells it never showed up there was also a time when I was trying to get the 2.35 bus home but it never came and I was still in Navin until an hour later I was once late for work I started one thirty, but the 12.15 bus didn't get in on time was 20 minutes late there are so many people in this situation Jerry. bus is not arriving on time something needs to be done for the sake of everybody it's not fair couldn't agree more with you Jamie and again I say you need to get your complaints and keep them going to bus air and to keep the pressure up on them perhaps a, a chat with some of the local political people might be of assistance to you as well. Just a suggestion this afternoon. <laughs> Jerry, <laughs> I think we'll have to start calling you Jesse James. Huh? Why? It's a lot of comment in uh, on WhatsApp and, and text about your uh, shoplifting escapades. Oh my God. They're I, brilliant. Thought I, I thought I, I, I confessed on air <laughs> and that I could put that behind me. 
one one guy uh, or one lady texted in and said, "Jerry, Tesco's logo three years ago was swipe and save. <laughs> you took that literally." <laughs> 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 I love you, whoever you are. What witty people. We had so another, another I, I swiped and saved. Yeah, I we had another person on WhatsApp that said they saw you, Jerry. They saw you coming out of Tesco with the trolley wearing a balaclava. Uh, you did in your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. And, and Owen's been on to say, Jerry, uh, I used that self-service the last time I was in Tesco and I forgot to collect my change. I wonder have they got that on camera, Jerry? Well, for once, it's the other way round. Well, Owen, the might. You never know. Worth, worth going, by, uh, going back there to try it anyway. Yes, one of those blank moments in my life that I want to really put behind me at this stage. If it happens again, there will be real questions, let be me say. But let me famous robbers, Jerry. <laughs> let me tell everybody, I was up immediately and I paid the bill and it's all settled and thank God for all of that. Well, now, if you were listening yesterday to our Sunday sports show, you will know that Kildaki won the senior title in County Mead, the hurling title. Well done to them. But the Newtown Blues are on the cusp of history because they've now won three in a row. They've won the last three years, including yesterday. And if they go on to win next year, they'll equal history and it's their own history. And we're going to reflect on it next with two legends of the Newtown Blues and football in Louth. Johnny me and late lunch are Danny Nugent and Jackie Hannerty. Yesterday afternoon at the Gaelic Grounds in Drogheda, you heard it here on LMFM Radio, the Newtown Blues were crowned senior champions for the third year in a row. 2-9 to 1-9, they beat Nave Martin. What a blistering start it was from the in the game. It was over really from, from early on. But we're going to talk about it now for the next while not with the current crop but with two men who are synonymous with the club and Gaelic games in County Louth I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch Danny Nugent and Jackie Hannity you're both very welcome great to see you both boys thanks Jerry well, thank you, you must have a pep in your step today Danny I always have a pep but there's something was a, a girls match on the feeling this morning so I was back to duty again as usual you know, so that's, that's my pep in my step this morning hey the glamour was yesterday but the yeah, grind has, has to be to, done Every done, single day. Yeah. What about yesterday's game? I, yeah. I said it there: two five to no score. They yeah. began no, they, they, uh, an unbelievable start. We uh, we all talked about. It. We never we wanted to get a good start because we knew how hard it was going to be against uh, Nate Martin. But the boys seem to have them all geared up. The management team I have to give them great credit for the way they they. You know, got got the team out on the field there, ready to, and they're all kind of unfocused to get to get a good start. You know, a really good start. That, that was, was unbelievable because yeah. really, you boys know from playing Jackie, if you go two five down early in the game, it's near nigh impossible to to pull it back, isn't it? It is, Jerry. And you know, like when you think about it, we were saying against the Dreadnoughts in the semi final, we thought the Dreadnoughts played very well, and indeed. I thought we robbed it, that like at the end of the day we were lucky to get out of jail. But this time we said, well, OK, it's not going to happen again. We're going to give it all 100%. And fair play to the lads, they did. And uh, it may have been over for you, Jerry, after uh, the first half, but it wasn't over for us. The Martins kept on coming. Yeah. They did, but didn't the team show tremendous poise in the end? When the Martins were on the fight back, they showed what champions are made of. They, they, they saw did. it out. They, they did, yeah. I mean, we had a column judge there, and I have to say, an exceptional block and come in and won a ball that actually we got a point off and I think that's what what's our, epitomises the Blues kind of gratitude get out there and young Ian Connor that came on he blocked a certain shot that was going into the goals as well these young lads that kind of have it in them to know how to win the match that's what you have to have a willing 
in a way to go about winning a match. You know? And tell me this about winning. Is it true that you predicted in the programme that the Blues <laughs> would win by three points? I had a few pounds on that, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I had, no. He was I wrong, there was that. a goal. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, well, yeah, we've played them a number of times over the last couple of years and yeah. there hasn't been about two or three points and at any game we have played them. Maybe early on we might have won one in the earlier the championship but like the, well, there's nothing between the two teams, you know, and they're, they're a great bunch of lads. I mean, I've known them since they come up from minor and I, I've followed the progress of both clubs at minor level yes. and we now have a, a great bunch of young lads there and hopefully there we're trying to uh, establish a new record now go back to the 60s you're talking about the 60s now I, I only came in in 65 but there was people before that and they won four in a row the leeches and the judges and all those people you know Murray and all them they won four in a row so that's the, the next aim for the club we, I mean we're talking about Dublin winning five in a row yes. well we want to win four in a row and that's what's in our club that's the, the type of club we have I'm just looking there 61, 62 63 and 64 Jackie were, were, were the four in a row sides when you look at this team and the bunch of players and, and you mentioned the management and everyone involved Danny we have to give great credit to Ronan Phillips oh, uh, the manager yes, of the team yes, who's guided yes. the club to this unprecedented success have, you have the players to do the four in a row Jackie well you know like if it saw us in the semi-final you'd say well no we haven't but that's what a great team comes about yeah. you have to if you're not playing good you have to scrape that win the whole time I've seen it in the 60s with the great team that we had and the same thing is going to happen I think we do have the players we do Jerry you're right I'm just looking at the totals in terms of loud role of honour for senior champions Newtown Blues 23 titles with yesterday's yeah. title and the nearest two year are St Mary's RD and Young Ireland's who have won 11 each. Yeah. There is some gap there. You are the number one club in the county, Danny. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we, well, I came into the club, you know, at 65, when we played with, you know, in, uh, at juvenile level, come up the whole way with Hanstree and Yellow Batter and all those kind of street league teams. And, you know, there, there is a. I mean, when you when you play with the Blues and Jacko Smith was the manager at the time and Mick Judge and Peter Judge and all those people that were, were there for the club, you know, they, they, they give you an inspiration to want to go on and do well. And when you see with the players of the 60s, I mean, where would you get better players that could score and, and play with our county? At one time, I think we had about eight or nine players on a county team there one time in those times. So, I mean, we want to, to, to fall the loud football as well. If we can get our lads to... Buy, buy, buy into the the loud setup, and let's let's try and make it make it make something happen. Push that into the Push, county yeah, team as well. Yeah. I'm just looking between 61 and 70. You won every senior title bar two. 65, you didn't win, or 68. They were the only two in that. Well, what teams were you involved, Danny? You came in. Did you play in the 66 team? 66. I came so, in so 66. how many senior medals have you? I won seven, Jerry. Yeah. So 66, 67, 69, 70, 74. Yeah, up to eight, eight, up to 86. 81 and 86. 86 You've yeah. Seven senior medals. Jackie, how many of you? Five. I came in in 1970. So I had of 70, 74, 81, 86 and 88. Am I right? <laughs> but, we, but we haven't emulated this team Jerry, uh, as well though, you know. Can you think of the amount of silver yeah. I'm sitting in the presence of here today? Yeah, Listen yeah. to this, what these two men have won. It is incredible. But really, Jerry, the mentors that we had and, and Eugene, with our home base, Eugene Judge, we had Mickey McQuillan, we have Ronan Phillips now at the moment, all home based within the club. And I think it means an awful lot to us that we can get someone like that, of that pedigree, mm. to do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just keep churning out these teams 
games, these young players just keep coming through. What do you put that down to? How do you keep that going year on year? Well, we we keep it going because we have uh, great people at, at underage level, and we we kind of have uh, people now with a structure in place that we want everyone to play the same type of football that the senior team are playing. We we have people in, in doing little kind of. Uh, what would you say, a little college stuff kind of going together. Yeah, and, so there's and, an ethos and, in the Blues yeah. from they come in yeah. at the youngest level in a type of style of play that yeah, you, you want, want this club yeah, to play. Yes. And we have the ladies football coming in and they're bringing a lot of, lot of enthusiasm to the club with a lot of mentors there and uh, they're coming up from lower level and they are helping us out in a big, big way. I'm just looking at the team yesterday and some of the names. How do you pick out really any of them? You mentioned there the experience of the likes of Column Judge, but you have some cracking youngsters, haven't yeah, you, as we well, who are yeah. only starting out really on their senior yeah, careers. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, you've, you've secured and Downey there. You know, he's an exceptional chap as well. Ross Nally, all these have come through the minor grade, and uh, Emma Carran is. I think he's going to be another another exceptional player for, for Loud. If he, you know, if he really is a lovely footballer. You know, and, and as I say, John Connolly. I could go through them all, the yes, younger lads, and they, they, they meet that chap, those lads, they want to win, and you can see them when they're training, even in the training, there's no, they're hopping off each other down there in the field, and it's, it's, uh, it's great watching it. We'd have a, a few on the bank there watching watching the antics of the whole lot, and it's wonderful. You really even John Kermode that has the five yes. senior medals, yes. and I was looking, I'm playing midfield, and yeah. the enthusiasm that that chap has, along with Andy McDonald, yeah. and one is very, very senior, and the other is you know, a great inter-county player. Mm. And they just blend in together. But I thought they played a Dublin type of football yesterday. They just carved through to prove a point. And mm. I thought they, they did it too. The thrill you get out of, you know, being members of the Newtown Blues and long-standing members from we were young lads yeah. right through your careers to today... Do you still get the same kick out of it? You know, yesterday when you go to that match yesterday, are you nervous, Danny, for them? How do you feel as the game's unfolding? And, and you know, the, is the joy the same when you win another one? Oh, I think it is. I mean, we, we have to... I mean, as I say, I've watched them coming up through the ranks and you say, this lad is going to do well. There's a few young lads coming up through the ranks and you say, please God, now this lad is going to be uh, another promising player for the club and you do you enjoy watching them and, and you go out and you just give them a bit of a hug after a while that was great yesterday yeah. I mean given the hugs and everything like that because that's the comradeship of, of, and not, of yeah. not only that too when you put the colours up in, on the poles and you're going down the Newfoundland Road and you're going under the bridge and you're heading to the Theatre of Dreams <laughs> at the end of the <laughs> day that we've blue blood going through our veins and <laughs> we want do. to win it's not just win we don't win at all costs we like to play a flamboyant kind of football and a, a nice hard game of football yeah. not dirty the Monaster boys we, we do have to mention because yeah. it takes two teams yes. to make a final and you've yes. been ding yeah, dong yeah, with yeah. them last year and again yeah. this year and, and they have great minor sides you mentioned they, they have, won the yes. minor again yesterday yeah. and they have players coming through it, it's it's hard to, to go down again, isn't it? What it, do you say? I, I know you're you're wallowing in your success. What do you say to it? Well, well it, it, what can you say is right because they have put the same effort in that we have. They've trained exceptionally hard. They've taught about our game. They had a game plan to go out and, and do well. And just the way we... was. I mean, I was even surprised how, how well they started yesterday. It was absolutely brilliant. Your own boys took yourselves by surprise, the they way they were out of the block so quickly. I've been always on about trying to win. At the first throw-in, I always loved to win the first throw-in and get yourself 
moving forward straight away and that's the way I, I love to see it and that's what happened yesterday we won the first throw in and we were on the on the, on on the front foot a word we, from Monaster Boys we, we have many friends in Monaster Boys and Killineer when I think of JP Rooney what did he give the loud football everything yeah. and I, I feel sorry for, for JP but as you say if you're playing rugby if you're playing soccer you don't give anything away you go for the juggler and at the end of the day sympathy does not come into sport it can, it can be sorrowing at times really yeah. Yes, it, it really can. But it, it, I, I do feel, as I said, they were in the, the championship final and it, they never won it. Please God, they have a great crop of lads out there and a great setup. So time will tell. Uh, but just not next year with this, <laughs> <laughs> with this Blues team going to make history, Danny. Well, we, we look forward to it. We, look, we, won't, we, we never take anything for granted. That's one thing about our club. If you want to win something, you've got to go out and earn it and put the hours in and do the work. And that's the only way you will have success. Just go out and play your game of football and please God, you know, we'll do it the same next Jerry, yeah, I, I agree with what Danny is saying. And all the committees... And all the supporters, and all our sponsors, uh, everything like that. It, it takes a lot of money to keep the show on the road and everything like that. And we, we really are uh, grateful for everyone that gives their help. Well, Newfound, well, I can tell you, I know it is resplendent in the blue and white. And it's flying high today in the bright sunshine. And I know the boys and the club are celebrating today. And they will meet Monaster Boys, which is a lovely touch uh, this evening. It's a tradition yeah. where the, the two teams will meet up. And well done to everybody yesterday. And well done that the game was on. A week later it might have been, but it happened on a wonderful pitch with a great crowd yesterday. Yeah, well, the pitch was in a tremendous order. Tremendous. Fair play to the Will Raleigh that, Club for Would that, that be know? the last game on the county grounds? Ah, no, uh, no, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. That's I think another day's work, is it, Jerry? We leave that for another right. day. Watch okay. this space. Anyway, boys, congratulations to the Newtown Blues uh, again. How many medals? Seven, Danny? Seven, yeah. And five, Jackie? Five. Are you listening? I'm in in the presence of GAA royalty this afternoon. Congratulations again to the Blues. Commiserations to St. Martin, uh, to Nave Martin. There will be another day, as uh, Jackie said, uh, and enjoy the celebrations in Drogheda over the next few days. Thanks, boys, for joining me on the show. Danny Nugent and Jackie Hannity. Good man, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. That's our lot on late lunch for this Monday afternoon. Eddie's coming next with the drive. See you tomorrow, Tuesday at half one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.